106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. California is for the very rich and the very poor. Everything is more expensive. You can't live here in California anymore as a middle-class citizen. In many parts of the state, you've got tent cities, crime is out of control, schools at the bottom percentile. Mm -hmm. There are people who are dying on our streets. The estimate is that 1,000 people will die on the streets of Los Angeles. This is California. While this state is known for its glitz and glamour, it is also home to some of the highest real estate prices, highest taxes, highest number of business regulations. Many of them who were born and raised in this state are realizing that it's become unaffordable, and that's heartbreaking. I'll tell you, Californians, when they move to Texas, they're shocked. Their standard of living goes up 40 to 50 percent overnight. And many of us are leaving not only California, but other liberal states for a better lifestyle for our, for our children. Failed liberal policies are just simply encouraging the situation. People just saying, we can't put up with this anymore. So you just can't live like this. Bad news for women in the workplace in the state of California. A new law mandates that corporations in California add quotas of women to their boards by January 1st of 2021. So if you have five board directors, for example, at least two must be women by the end of this year. If you have six or more board members, at least three must be women. Otherwise, you'll be fined hundreds of thousands of dollars. And listen, I'm all about women being powerful and women in the workplace. But this law is the worst thing to happen to women in the workplace since somebody told women you have to wear high heels to be professional. 537 corporations in the state of California are subject to this horrible law, which means in 537 workplaces across the Golden State, men will start to wonder. Every time they see a woman in the boardroom, does that woman deserve to be here? Did she earn her way to this seat? Or is she just a quota, a token woman? Do you understand how damaging this new law is to women in the workplace? Have a little faith in women, in our ability to achieve based on our own merits. This law is insulting to women who want to work in boardrooms, telling us we cannot achieve without your help rigging the system. Do you think we women are incapable of career success unless the government helps us? That's the most sexist thing ever. What kind of message does that send to young women? We want you in STEM fields. We want you serving as CEO, but we don't think you're smart enough to achieve that on your own. You, you need big daddy government to change the rules and handicap men to make sure you win. Women in boardrooms across California will now be left doubting, was I hired because I'm smart and experienced and capable? Or was I hired because of my genitalia to fill a quota? And men, men will be the victims of sexism. How many capable men will be excluded from positions that they deserve because corporations were forced to fill quotas of women? If I were a man, I'd resent that. And resentment's a great place to foster a welcoming work environment for women. Ladies, say no to this law. Force the California state government to repeal it. This is not a liberal or a conservative issue, except for the fact that it was a liberal governor in California who signed this bill into law. Tell Governor Newsom and California Democrats, as a woman, I don't want to be a quota. I want to be respected. I don't want help from the government. I want to earn my success myself. 
I don't need liberals telling me that I'm a victim. I'm a woman. I'm smart. I'm capable. And I don't need liberal politicians rigging the rules to cheat the process to make it look like I'm successful. Glad you're listening today. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio, episode 48, and on February 29th, an unusual number. Usually we only get 28, but today we got a 29, so maybe that lengthened your life by one day. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Thank you for listening. Uh, we're just plowing on. I was just thinking the other day, just a few more weeks, and we're going to have 52 sessions, which is about one year. We do one a week, and so uh, we didn't know how to do this here a while back, and some friends helped us. Tannis, Tanner Martis from Texas helped us get up and going, and <clears throat> some other people like Greenwich Construction and Elite Universal Security and plumbing doctor and different ones some other individual donors from around the country helped us get going and move on from a uh, weekly radio broadcast to podcast so there's some definite advantages to the podcast there's some disadvantages as well but overall we're fine and so thank you for listening i'm not sure how you ended up here maybe you picked us up off your podcast uh, source But if you did that that way, which is fine, you can also go to our website at nohostagesradio.com and you can look at all the 48 episodes there along with a couple articles per week if you're interested in articles. And they come out in a hard copy with the Territorial Dispatch in Marysville, California. Or you could listen, you can check him out, check them out, territorialdispatch.biz on the internet and enjoy some of the articles there. So uh, we're happy you're listening and just keep on telling other people about it and we'll see whether we can keep ahead of steam here. There's plenty to talk about, of course. I've never seen the country uh, in such a wild state thinking about it in the last week or so, and most people probably are just going on with their lives like everything's fine, but we're really in a state of revolution. And gunshots aren't being fired so much at one another, but gunshots are certainly being fired at law enforcement, which is an attempt to undermine the stability of society, create chaos. And uh, when you have... A multitude, not just an individual legislator, but multitude, multitudes of legislators and bureaucrats that are actively lying and uh, deceiving and persuading people to overthrow a president that was voted in by a majority of the folks via the Electoral College. That is what they call a coup. Now, I read, <clears throat> used to read some books written by Cambodians that went through the Pol Pot, Khmer Rouge communism, 
And one of the guys that wrote a book, I can't re- recall the title or his name. I think I probably have the book on the shelf somewhere around here. He was the public works director for the capital of Cambodia, which is Phnom Penh. And his description of the uh, uh, Cambodia before Pol Pot took over is that routinely they would have an overthrow of the government. It wasn't done by voting. It was just done by powerful people and military and force. And he said when all that would happen, we would just all stay home for a few days and we'd let things blow over and the shooting stop. And then we would just gradually try to go back to work. And you just go back to do your job and somebody else would be running the country. That's how they would transition in leadership. But he said one day uh, they had a coup and overthrow. And he, you know, and his family stayed in the house. And then eventually military people came and began to order them out of their house and, and to begin marching out into the wilderness. And uh, his family ended up all dying. Uh, He was the only survivor. And uh, so what he said became a routine of the way that governments changed. All of a sudden became a, a revolutionary government that destroyed Western medicine, burned down Western hospitals, went back to folk medicine, burned down all these schools burned the books, went back to just turning everybody out to farming, agrarian life. If you wore glasses, they killed you because they knew you had more education than the average peasant. And they went through and killed millions of their people. Some people feel they killed a third of the population, either through gunfire or starvation or disease. So if you don't have any medical treatment, if you get malaria there, which is a popular or widespread uh, ailment or any kind of other uh, water ailment like uh, diet, some kind of diarrheas, uh, people just died by the millions and uh, people were tortured to death. It was just a really devilish evil um move that eventually the Vietnamese communists got so fed up with it, they came in and destroyed the Khmer Rouge communists. So what that what that has to do with America is many of you are getting up, drinking your coffee, going to work, just like just like that public works guy, just hoping this blows over. And the sad difference is about America, Americans could change this overnight but they just don't give a hell. They don't give a damn about it. They don't care about it at all. And they won't even register and go out to vote. Or they even register and they might not. They reg- maybe register and don't vote at all. Or they don't register and don't vote both. And so it's, it's so fascinating to me that so many people have died in America preserving our freedom. My father spent four years in the Navy during the war, and I just, uh, he's been dead for decades, and I just keep thinking about him sacrificing his life. He didn't die, but he sacrificed those four years and whatever really it would have taken to defend this country. And then we're going to turn around and hand it away to some a bunch of perverts and communists and socialists, and we're just going to vote them in. 
and surrender this thing and just just do lockstep. And where they think food lines are cool, soup lines are cool. They want to run the government. They want to manage. They want to manage the distribution of goods and services in in the United States. I just saw on Facebook that some female legislators in Sacramento are rejoicing over telling business people where they have to put their products. In other words, that boy and girl toys and supplies and all that kind of clothing have to go on the same aisle. You can't have boys area and a girl's area. They're going to eliminate gender and they're going to do it by telling merchants where they have to place their products. Is that amazing to you? Is that's government run businesses. And, and if a business tells them to stuff it, they're going to find them a find them a thousand dollars for every incidence that they uh, do not follow lockstep. How long are we going to let this go on? How long are we going to let this go on? This is nothing but fascism, socialism. You you take all the risk. You buy the property. You hire the people. You have to take all the all the crap from the government, and then they come in and tell you where you have to put your products on the shelf. Just incredible. It's the same way in the city of Marysville. I remember I <clears throat> I live near the uh, 10th Street Bridge in Marysville, so every day I drive over it a couple times, back and forth between the two cities. And I remember years ago there was, you know, there hadn't been any new construction in Marysville in decades. And finally this apartment complex was going to be built over on off I Street, 11th and I in that area. And they built uh, three or four buildings maybe maybe they were all fourplexers or something or sixplexes really nice buildings stucco very nice and so one night at the city council meeting they just had an uproar a big blowout and here's what they fought over it's the same thing they're doing in sacramento saying you got to put boys and girls stuff on the same aisle the the city council was up in an uproar because they had trimmed the building, the fascia and the windows and the, around the doors. They trimmed it out in a color that was not approved. In other words, I think they trimmed it out in white or off-white. It was a like a gunmetal gray building. It was looked good. And they threw a fit because the council had not approved the color for the trim. The council was didn't have any skin in the game. They didn't put any money up for that building. They didn't take any risk on borrowing money for that building. It wasn't their property. It wasn't their building. And so now uh, they got in a big fight about it, and they weren't going to give them an occupancy permit. So you know what happened, don't you? Because they had them held them over a barrel. The interest was running on the loan. They needed to fill the place with renters, and they weren't going to give them an occupancy occupancy permit unless they got up there and painted painted the trim the color chosen by the city council. What in the world does a city council have to do with picking colors for buildings or picking signs for, for businesses or micromanaging businesses? No wonder nobody wants to do business legit in this, in this state or in this city. They'll go outside the city into the County of Yuba where there aren't so many rules. 
Unbelievable. Every time I drive by that apartment complex, I remember that story. And I called the guy I was writing. I think I was just starting to write for the Territorial Dispatch. And I was so fascinated with what had happened there. And I called the contractor. And I said, I want to write a story about it. The guy was so afraid. He wasn't afraid of meeting a city council member on the street. You could jack slap any five of those and knock the crap out of them. And send him running out. You could scare him so bad he wouldn't even return to Marysville. But what they held, what they held over these people that built this nice apartment complex was they wouldn't let them have occupancy permit on their own property. The buildings were beautiful new buildings. They weren't in violation of any technical code for safety, but because they had a different color trim, they withheld. Their, their ability to make money on their own property. People, that isn't just bad politics. That's evil. That is evil. That is criminal. I don't care how many people you put in jail at Yuba County Jail. There is no crimes over there that are match up to what they just did to those people. And they had to go up and repaint the trim. What in the world is government mandating colors for? Who do they think they are? Unbelievable. So I was talking to, I was standing out on the porch the other day, and a guy walked by that we kind of know each other. He knows my name. I know his. And I said, how do you do to you? He was walking his dog. And he said, I'm moving. I said, really? Where are you moving? He said, we sold our house. He lived down downtown Marysville. And he had fought the water fights against Cal Water and tried to help clean up the river bottoms. He he did a lot of good things around here. He used to clean up around Ellis Lake till he got fed up with people harassing him. And he said, we're moving to Oklahoma. And I said, oh, yeah, how'd that happen? He said, well, at Christmas time, we drove out there because my wife has a sister out there she hadn't met, didn't know she had a sister. Went out there and met her, and we got to nosing around. We noticed gas was at $2 a gallon. It was over $3 here. You can carry your weapon out there, open carry. They aren't harassing you and trying to take your guns. They aren't micromanaging every move you make. And he said, we just got sick of, you know, high, high water prices in Marysville, high taxes, incredibly high taxes. More taxes in Marysville, just added a 1% sales tax, Measure K. He said, so we, so we decided to move. And I said, would you put your house up for sale yet? He said, sold it already. I said, how'd you do that so fast? He said, honestly, man, we were just so sick of it. We didn't even put it on the market. We just called one of those places that said they will buy your house. And we just sold, them to them, sold it to them as is, where is. If it falls in half, you own both halves. He said, we're out of here, dude. And I thought, well, I just complimented. I said, good for you. Good for you. And I'm glad you're going. And I hope, you know, he's an older guy, my age. I just said, enjoy the rest of your life. God bless you. And uh, there you go. Another guy. And so I'm just one after another. When you can start sitting around and you could start counting uh, the various people right in your own city, a little city of 3.4 square miles and 12,000 people, and you know a number of them that have left the state. Because, because, because. Why, not e- why, why even list all the reasons? They just are leaving the state. 
because they just don't they're just sick of these nut cases. They're they're a little I'm not exaggerating, people. These these are true perverts and nut cases that are running this state. And if you sit by back and let them uh continue, you're 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 a part of the problem. You're a part of the problem. I was talking to Sean Foyt. Uh, he's running against John Garamendi. And uh, he was saying that there are so many Christian people going. There are so many church people in this state that if just the church people would register and vote and vote their conscience, vote for different causes that are godly causes, we could vote all the liberals out of office. Every every election until we cleaned house. I saw somebody wrote a book. I can't even remember now what the, it had some of it with church. I thought, oh, it was a great that was a great title, but I can't remember now. But I I wondered whether it was getting it how I feel. I just feel that church is a waste of time. It just sucking all these assets, and the people don't do anything, and the pastors don't. They're lousy leaders. The pastors are piss poor leaders. And they'll have to answer to Jesus for that. Horrible leaders. They just allow people to do stupid stuff. They don't challenge them to be salt and light in our communities. And it's just a sad situation. So Sean Foyt says, God spoke to him about going to the pastors in the third district and asking them, please, 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 please do something. Challenge your congregation. <clears throat> I had uh, a really sad email sent to me that was sent out from a gal named Jerry Libby that runs the, she's the, I guess, director of the Sutter County Republican Central Committee or something like that. And uh, not I just wasn't disappointed. I was just angered, really angered, because either she is has dementia or Alzheimer's or is the stupidest woman I've ever met. But she slandered a guy that I consider at this point a friend, and that I know something about, and she just slandered him. Now, this is why this is a Republican guy, and she's wanting the other person to win, which is fine. I think that's just fine. That's the way it works. Choose which one you think would be the best candidate. Why would why she would go to the end of slandering Sean Foyt uh, is pitiful, and it's the reason California Republican Party is just. I hate to vomit, but I want to vomit every time these local Republicans around here start talking about this or that. This gal says she's talking to the uh, her troops at the, the Sutter County uh, Group Central Committee. She says, I strongly feel that Sean Foyt is a shill. As the cost, she doesn't even write in, co in proper sentences. She needs to actually go back to school. I'm going to read it how she said it. I strongly feel he is a shill as that cost thousands of dollars. Now, that does, that's I don't know. Is that Ebonics there, Jerry? 
If it is all church money, I'm questioning why again. I don't. That doesn't even make any sense, Jerry. If it is all church money, I am questioning why again. I, what, is she saying that actually churches are cutting checks out of their 501c3s? Or is she saying if you're a Christian, you can't just spend money the way you want? This thing is incoherent. I don't know. Maybe she's on acid or heroin or doing meth because she's not a she's not a sane human being. If it is all church money, I'm questioning why again. I personally am praying that T- Tamika, who is the opposition Republican, gets to go ahead. She is a very special woman. I hope she is a special woman. That has nothing to do with what she just she slandered. A good guy, a, a Christian guy who is a very conservative guy, who is an educated guy. He's got a, a bachelor's. He's got a ma- he majored in business at Oral Roberts University and minored in music and then start started and is successful in th- at least three different businesses and has a number of, of uh, award-winning records. Very successful guy and is a very strong conservative. And why she would go out and say something. Now, a shill is a noun. It, and here's what it means. An accomplice of a hawker or accomplice of a gambler or a swindler who acts as an enthusiastic customer to entice or encourage others. Is is Jerry uh, Libby, are you saying that he's a shill for liberal John Garamendi? Woman, if you are, uh, I think you got syphilis because it eventually affects the brain. And your brain is sauced out. This is the tackiest, slanderous, filthy, cheap shot of a sincere person running for Congress. Why would people run want to run for anything around here when the best you could do is is trash them in an email to your uh, central committee cronies? I will never come into any of your meetings again. You are just so disgusting. Uh, this is demeaning and uh, ridiculously rude. This is the reason Republican Party makes people sick. It's the reason people that quit, quit, uh, even change, they change their registration from Republican to decline to state or independent. You deserve everything you get there, Jerry. So hallelujah to you. We'll be right back. Well, it's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. As a black minister, would you please explain why you haven't explained to your told your congregation of the evils of Planned Parenthood? Everybody's talking about being woke, 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 and, and, and you didn't know that Margaret Sanger, you you didn't know that Margaret Sanger said this. We don't want the word to go out that we want 
to exterminate the Negro population. Margaret Sanger, founder of Planned Parenthood. Now, this was written in 1939. So how are you going to be woke? How are you going to be a woke church and don't know this? This is old. This is old. It's you bishops and pastors and leaders out there, if you haven't told your congregation about the number one killer of African Americans, an organization that kills more Af African Americans every two weeks than the Klan did in its entire history, you are not qualified to use the word woke. For you are the epitome of being asleep. You're asleep at the wheel. They will intimidate them with their jobs, their housings, and their children's education to prevent them from going to church. In 2018, this new regulation on religious affairs took effect. Several prominent house churches in China were shut down. Hundreds of policemen raided our church smashed our building, put the pastors on the civilians, and shut down the church. The level of persecution in China is at its worst level since the Cultural Revolution in 1960s and 70s. so united together like never before. We have a revival in our church. And a lot of our brothers and sisters, they're so encouraged by this experience, even in the severe persecution. After my church was shut down by the government, the first sermon I preached is from uh, Revelation chapter 3, um, verses 7 and 8. I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Even though the persecution is intensifying, there are a lot of brothers and sisters still be very faithful, very brave to testify the glory of Jesus Christ. We started off the show today. I <clears throat> I played a clip on fleeing California. That was a short clip, just a little over a minute long, from the Prager uh, University people. They're starting to put out these really short, uh, to the point, poignant, poignant clips. And uh, and then I that's why I wanted to talk about my friend who lives just two blocks from me down here in the in the old part of Marysville, who is leaving town. 
I uh, was telling uh, him the other day about this other guy who went for a uh, vacation. He took his wife, and he when they declared the evacuation when they, they had the spillway problem here in 2017, uh, he took his wife, and they drove over to Idaho and just went around the Boise area and thought, oh, this is too expensive for us over here. So they started looking around on one of those real estate rags, and they found this house in, I think it's Hagman or Hagerman. Anyway, um, they went over there and bought the thing, and they moved over there. And I, I'll never forget when he told me he wanted to build a shed or an add-on or something, you know, some kind of shop or something in the back of his house. And he went in to get a building permit, and the guy says, I don't know why you want a permit. You don't need a permit for that. He said, it's your property. Do what you want. You know, it's kind of refreshing when you hear real freedom, isn't it? Real freedom, where you're not asking the government permission to take a poop or fart or whatever you want to do. Paint your trim on your house. We don't like that trim. We, we, you didn't get that approved from the government. You're watering on the wrong day. You can't water any day you want. Right? Just on and on and on and on. Right. You didn't get a permit for, you know, the the Marisol will let the concrete buckle up where trees go underneath. They won't do a thing to fix it. Right. But if you just go out there and fix it without going over and paying them to fix it, you got to pay them money for permission to fix your the concrete. Now, they claim that you really don't own that area right there. Some kind of that's some kind of right away or something, but they won't fix it. So there's a three inch big old lip there where people continue to trip over. But if you just tore it up one one weekend and poured it out, tore it up and cut the root out, poured it flat, they'd probably find you and want you to pay them just because you went and fixed a problem that was probably going to break a person's ankle before it's over. I just want to ask you, people that have an opportunity to vote. <clears throat> Why you're just so passive? Do you just want to turn the whole country into a communist nation? You know, I was thinking the other day when the Soviet Union, I think, was it 19, was it 17? The Soviet Union became communist. And they, you know, if you read any much history about it, the, the Soviet Union before that Russia, it was called Russia, was totally corrupt. And so, you know, it gave fertile ground for the communists to step in and say, we can fix this and it's going to be better, a lot better. And uh, so when when they took it over, it took almost eight decades. If you figure a generation's 40 years, some people think of it as 40 years, that's two generations for the for the communism to collapse in what they called the Soviet Union as they Russia began to gobble up surrounding territories and called the Soviet Union it took i want i want just if you're 40 or older and you want to surrender to communism which is what you're doing in California i just want to tell you that it isn't going to be a, you're not going to be able to change your mind and fix it in your lifetime. In fact, probably in the next two generations, you'll never fix California once it goes communist. There's just too much to undo. Trump has undone a lot of Obama's corruption, mindless corruption, perversion, and socialism. 
But if you stand by and let this let this school system go down, which it basically the school system is taking on water big time and and really teaching uh, political pornography. That's what it is. Political pornography, teaching kids. You know, God created I saw a deal on the, the other day on the Internet it said God created two two genders and the Democrats have created an unlimited number. Unless you're willing to stand up and just say, take this garbage out of our school system, or you can just remove your kids. I think uh, Randy Thomason's website, I can double check it. It's removeyourchild.com or .org, remove your child, and it tells how you can take care of your child educationally. I told somebody the other day, he said, this gal that's had a drug problem, she has two kids, and one of them's having real trouble in school. I said, take the kid out immediately. I would take the kid out immediately and, and train him at home. You can do a better job than what they're doing at that school. And they're, forcing, they're, they're training boys to be little pussies, little sissy girls. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. They're, they're wanting boys to act like girls. And boys need to go out and just fight one another and wrestle and play football and play and be tough and be competitive. But no, they don't want to do it. They want them to play with little drag dolls and wear dresses. So you have a choice. And some of you that are listening from other states, you're next. You think this just going to start and stop here in California? No way. I mean, if you look at the presidential candidates on the Democrat side, that is pure communism, what they're pitching. And if you don't get out there and vote and get your friends to vote and register people to vote, I'm amazed. We've been registering people to vote in our church, Church of Glad Tidings I go to. I've been there for decades. We've been registering people to vote every time voting comes up, every time there's an election. We've been doing it literally for years, years and years and years. And we make it so easy. We, you know, we, we do everything but fill out the ballots for people. And or fill out the registration for review. Yet people I know, there's many people just walk out the door and don't do it. It's so disgusting. It, in fact, when I got converted back in the 70s, some some Christian people didn't even think it was proper to, for Christians to vote. It was it's the screwiest bunch of people I ever met in my life. Christians have some good qualities, but I mean, some of this stuff is just they got the stupid pill in a big way, and the pastors. Uh, they get the Academy Award for stupid. They ought to get. They got to get that. I had a guy one time came to my door as a guy's trying to help, and he I hadn't seen him for a while, and he tattooed F U C K O F F across his forehead. No, not it was right under his eyes, on one side of his nose, under right on his that eye bone right there under your eyeball. He put F U C K, and then the other side he went O F F. I said, Jack, how come you did that, man? He said I had a really bad day. Some of you need to tattoo, I'm stupid, right across their forehead. I'm stupid. If you think you're going to be able to live and have any sort of freedom in this country and not get involved in this fight, you're going to get your nose broke being passive. I was, uh, I saw a picture, I think I mentioned this last week. It just, it's, it's, it grips me. Because it reminds me of going hunting with my dad, and we had a Chevy pickup, and 
he put a uh, gun rack in the back window. And and we put our guns in there and we went hunting. That's where we carried our guns. So they weren't pointing up in the ceiling or pointing down or they weren't laying on the behind the seat on the floorboard. They were nice and clean, hanging up just right in this rack. And nice, tight, held up real nice. And it was a very simple gun rack. But it was very common in those days in the 1960s to see trucks or vehicles running around. Trucks. They were trucks. Pickups. Running around with a gun or two in the gun rack. Nobody gave it a second thought. You could open carry in California. That means you did not have to go to the sheriff and ask for permission to, to have a gun. You could carry it right down the street. In fact, I was 13, 14 years of age, 12, 13, 14, and would walk right down the street with a shotgun in East Marysville and walk all the way out to the city limits and over into the rice fields and go pheasant hunting or duck hunting or whatever kind of hunting or target practicing. You could carry whatever gun you wanted right down the center with the ammo and probably loaded. I can't, I usually, I didn't put any shells in until I got out of town, but there was no rules against that. There was no, no cop would stop you. You wouldn't even get anybody bending their neck looking at you. And look at this pitiful thing now. We have to go to the government to ask permission to have a gun when the, when the Constitution of the United States said, do not allow the government to infringe on that right. Don't do it. Do not do it. And we have guys that we know in our two counties, Yuba Sutter counties, Wendell Anderson and Brandon Bards, they're well-liked guys, respected guys. And yet they are upholding a law that is unconstitutional. I ran, I was talking to some guys at Glad Tidings Church Saturday night after the church. They said, hey, we're, we're putting together a group to ask the Sutter County Sheriff to be a sanctuary county for Second Amendment rights. Now, I don't know whether that means they're going to ask him to allow them to open carry and not having to have concealed weapon permits. That's what I think. It, that's where I think it needs to be. I think, I think if sheriffs begin to say, you know something, we're not going to, we're not going to require permits anymore. We're just, if you want to carry a gun, carry a gun. If you want to conceal a gun, conceal a gun. And if they want to enforce the fact that felons can't have guns and go for it. But, but if a citizen doesn't have uh, any legal issues over having a gun, like being a criminal, then they ought to just be able, if they want 1,000 guns, I wouldn't, I am not going to register no gun. I'll tell you that right now. I'm just going to buy, if I want to buy more guns, I'm buying them off the grid to hell with all these people. They're nuts. It's anti, it's against the constitution. It's violating my second amendment rights to have to register a gun or to get a permit or to go get permission to buy ammo. If I want to buy ammo, I'm going to, I'm going to drive outside the state or give some money to somebody that's going outside the state and have them buy it for me because I haven't got time to go over there. Just, it just, that's just what's going on. And there's numerous areas where people are just letting that. Listen, the reason we have a third of the millennials or the young people in college today believe communism is a great, socialism and communism a good idea 
Where do they think? Where do you think they got that from? You think they got that from their parents? They didn't. They got it from professors that are making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year for teaching like two two classes. They're totally corrupt professors. Now, why would you even? I have Christian families that send their kids to these kind of colleges, and they think, "Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, isn't this great?" They're Christian, absolutely nuts. They're absolutely nuts. They're going to lose everything and and their uh, relationship or their spirituality, their relationship with Christ. They'll dump that too. Do you know any shills? A shill. Let me tell you what a shill is again. It's a noun. It's an accomplice of a hawker, an accomplice of a gambler, accomplice of a swindler. Jerry Libby called Sean Foyt a swindler, accomplice of a a swindler. He Sean Foyt, she's saying that Sean Foyt, my choice for Congress in the 3rd District, is out hustling for somebody that's trying to steal your money. You know what she's going to do by this? She's going to end up reelecting a swindler, which is which is uh, the white Barack Obama. That's old John Garamendi. He went to college. He graduated, went to the Peace Corps, uh, which is just a lazy man's missions operation. And um, then he came back and got into politics and never did get a a legit job. He's been living, you you know, the Peace Corps, right? That's tax money. So he got out of college and was paid by the government to go to, you know, missionaries at least raise their own money. But he was paid by the government to be in Peace Corps. Then he got out of that and went into politics. He's been paid by your tax dollars and the guy's in his mid-70s. Don't you think that's enough? You're not going to do anything about it. You're not going to go down and vote. You're not going to do Jack Diddley. Pitiful. Totally pitiful. So Jerry Libby, the best thing she can do as a leader of the Republicans in Sutter County is call a guy that's got a whole bunch of little kids and a young wife, and he's going out busting his butt trying to get elected to Congress to start the red wave in in California, and this gal, she couldn't find her butt with both hands and a GPS. She's absolutely an idiot. You know what an idiot is? There, there's actually a definition of an idiot. She fits that bill, idiot. Unbelievable, unbelievable. The only only person that's going to beat out of this group, Tamika, uh, this other lady, may I think she's a fine person, what I've read about her. But we need a, we need somebody that can bridge that youth gap in Yolo County and Solano County that are loaded with college kids that tend to be youngsters and goofy. I think Sean could pull it off, but he's not going to pull it off when you got people calling him an accomplice of a swindler or accomplice of a gambler. Sickening, just totally sickening. She drives me totally up the wall here. Well, this time in history, just a few days ago, 1945, probably the most memorable photos in World War II was the team of guys climbing up this mount to put a flag 
It's called the Battle of Iwo Jima. It went from February 19th to March 26, 1945, was a major battle in which the United States Marine Corps and Navy landed on and eventually captured the island of Iwo Jima from the Japanese Army. The, the uh, fight was designated by the Americans as Operation Detachment. It had the goal of capturing the entire island, including three Japanese-controlled airfields. And they wanted to provide a staging area for attacks on the Japanese main islands. The battle took five weeks. Can you imagine five weeks comprised of some of the fiercest and bloodiest fighting in the Pacific War of World War II? After the heavy losses in, incurred in the battle, the strategic value of the island became controversial. Does this not surprise you with people that wanted to, liberals that want to undermine everything in this country? It was useless to the U some said it was useless to the US Army as a staging base and useless to the US Navy as a fleet base. However, Navy Seabees, which my dad served in the Seabees, rebuilt the landing strips which were used as emergency landing strips for the United States Air Force B29s. But don't you know how people after a fierce five Weak battle where tens of thousands of people died. They just say, oh, well, I don't think it was important to do that. Why don't you just let the Japanese have it? It says Japanese deaths, combat deaths, number three times the number of American deaths. Although uniquely among Pacific War Marine battles, American total casualties, counting the dead and the wounded, exceeded those of the Japanese. 21,000 Japanese soldiers on two on Iwo Jima at the beginning of the battle. Uh, of the 21,000, only 216 were taken prisoners, some of whom were captured because they had been knocked unconscious or otherwise disabled. The majority of the remainder were killed in action, killed almost 21,000 Japanese. Is that amazing? That's like two Marysvilles. Incredible. Incredible battle. And uh, I bet not 1% of college students could tell you anything about it. They just don't know anything about it. Their me memory has been polluted. And if they know anything about a fight, it's the wrong stuff. Have some statistics that are interesting. You think, why should we even bother to fight over all this nut stuff going on in California? Well, when you think that in, the Americans had 26,040 total casualties, that includes some deaths. 19,000 wounded. It's amazing. And you think you're not going to get off your butt to vote. Guys have got their arms blown off, nose and face blown off, hands blown off. 
never never walked again in their life in a wheelchair for the rest of their life, and you can't get your butt off the ground and go vote. And then you're going to call some guy that wants to run for office, you're going to call him an accomplice to a gambler, a swindler. Dirty dog, you people ought to have your butt whipped. Sickening. Makes me sick. Just sick. Sick of this people. Oh, yeah, well, well, please come to our little lunch, and then we can talk about he's a swindler. And, oh, we love this candidate. People are pitiful. Well, hold on. We're going to go to a break here. And uh, got some clips for you here. We're in our second. If you're new to this, we're in our second segment. We're just finished our second segment of six. We do a little educating with some clips that I think are interesting, and they say it better than I could. So we'll be right back in just a second. Keep on learning. Globally, mental illness has increased by more than a third since 1990. Could be rampant individualism, a stressful work environment, or social media, I don't know. But we do know that we live in a sick society. No, that's dead wrong. Yes, the crude number of cases has increased by more than a third. But, you know, well, population over the same time increased by almost a third. The biggest review of studies show that the average age standardized prevalence of anxiety and depression increased only from 4.1% to 4.2% 1990 to 2010. And the researchers write that when clear diagnostic criteria are applied, there is no evidence of an increase. A more recent review of 42 studies showed that mental illness between 1990 and 2017 increased minimally, and the researchers assume that this can be explained by demographic factors. They conclude, we can be rather confident that the overall global prevalence of mental illness has not dramatically increased in recent decades, if it has at all. So why do we think that we live in an age of anxiety? One reason is that we have now borrowed a terminology from clinical disorders to talk about all sorts of psychological distress. Another reason is that taboos have been broken. We are now much more likely to report symptoms of psychological illness, and we are much more likely to take them seriously. That's a sign of a healthy society, not a sick one. Your average run-of-the-mill American has no idea that the UN has any influence in the classroom. Hey, Hi, how how's are it going? You? Good to meet you. Good to meet you too. I brought my book too, if you would sign it. Oh, I'd be I'm very happy to, absolutely. <laughs> I honestly didn't believe half of what I read in that book until I went and fact-checked it myself. So much of the education policy that has now uh, completely infected our public school system is coming from Washington, D.C., and beyond that, from the UN Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. What's your goal? What do you want for your child? Because the school's goal is different than what your goal is. The institution of school forms a wedge between the child and the parent. You might ask, you know, how? Child comes home, Daddy, I don't understand this. Can you help me? The dad says, I've never seen this before. I can't help you. Can't even help a fourth grader with its fourth grade math homework. Stupid, dumb daddy. 
the legislature might have repealed common core as a term that they renamed it so right now people think we don't have common core we do it's under a new name you're talking about the minds the souls of your children don't play around with that i really just want to get parents involved and informed because i didn't know this stuff that child is my child god gave me that child and for the government to think that it is their responsibility to take care of that child is just unimaginable. Did you? I haven't followed this very closely because I just don't have a television and I can't keep up with everything. I'm too, I'm too, too often inside other places. Tonight we've been doing, before I started the show here, we are over training trauma intervention volunteers. And between that, doing work in the Yuba County Jail, it's hard for me to catch up on stuff. But this, they guess they, they've been having this big buildup to this heavy white fight. And this was an article about it. And there's this guy named Deontay Wilder. And uh, I think he ended up losing the fight against Tyson Fury or the Gypsy King as he goes. But both these guys ended up being real Trump fans. And Deontay didn't used to like Trump. In fact, he hated him, thought he's a racist. Well, you know, when you keep I was just teaching people in jail that. The University of California, Santa Barbara did a research and they came up with the the fact that if you if you say something that's that's false, you say it's four to four to eight times or something like that, and you say the truth once, the falsehood will prevail. So many times people believe a lie because it's just repeated a lot. And so when you keep calling the president a racist and dishonest and this and that and the other thing, a lot of people just they repeat that lie over and over again. And then when you say, well, no, he's not. And they say, yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Well, what do you mean he's not? They, everybody believes he's a liar. So un, undefeated boxing heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder was scheduled to face off against un, undefeated lineal. They call it lineal heavyweight champion Tyson Fury. And they ended up in a draw in a December 2018 fight. So Deontay started out hating Trump, hating Trump, hating Trump, hating Trump. But now uh, he says he sings Trump's praises. And the reason behind Wilder's 180 turnaround on Trump could provide the key to the 2020 election. That got my attention. Wilder is black, and uh, the Gypsy King, he's white. So Wilder was invited to the whole Oval Office to observe as Trump issued a posthumous pardon for Jack Johnson. You remember the famous Jack Johnson? You can actually see some of his matches on YouTube. And he was, for a while, the best boxer in the world, and he was the first black he was the first heavyweight champion that was actually black. 
but he was also convicted of violating racist laws a century ago. What he did was it was against the law to for a black man to have a white partner and cross state lines. Now, do you think that sounds stupid or what? Sounds stupid today, doesn't it? That if you, so they made it, it was just a, a way that you could say we don't like interracial dating or philandering or fooling around. So they arrested Jack Johnson because they arrested him, finding him with a white woman and knowing he started over in another state. Now he's in another state because he was traveling all over the country fighting. So uh, anyway, a while back, if you remember, Trump pardoned Jack Johnson. And he was a they tried to get him pardoned under Obama. He wouldn't do it. Bush, he wouldn't do it. Uh, so it says here, Wilder, Deontay Wilder, the bronze bomber, also likes Trump, but it was not always so. A journalist asked Wilder, what is Donald Trump telling black America when he calls football players like Colin Kaepernick sons of bitches? Yet he's not calling our police brutality that's rampant. He's not calling out our police brutality that's rampant, and we see it on YouTube all the time. What is he telling black America? Wilder said, he don't give a damn about us. It's plain as day. He don't give a F about us Walter sent a response that's not making America great again but by 2018 the article says Deontay was singing Trump's praises so here's the key this guy this writer says this Deontay's turnaround is the key to the 2020 election so Deontay says to be to be able to be here at the Oval Office in Washington, D.C. and to experience the ultimate pardon of Jack Johnson is amazing, Wilder said. Johnson was the first African-American heavyweight world champion. So this was definitely a magical moment to remember and one that I will never forget, even though it's almost 100 years too late. Finally, justice has been served. A wrong was Trump said. Uh, it, sorry, uh, Wilder said. A wrong was corrected for something that should have never happened. And all of the presidents, of all the presidents, Donald Trump was the one to correct it. So Wilder went from attacking the president based on fake news presentations. Remember I said you keep saying the wrong thing long enough, like Trump's connected to the Russians. Eventually people believe it, and they, they can't come to the terms with the truth. They're just so propagandized. They've been dumbfounded. You ever heard of that term, dumbfounded? That if you if you study the word dumbfounded, that means you've been found really dumb, like Jerry Libby. She's found very dumb. The idiot. Jerry the idiot Libby. Dumbfounded. So this writer says this turnaround from Wilder could mean that lots of black people are turning around. 
changing their tune. Both Wilder and the Gypsy King are Trump. Make a great, make America great people. That interesting. I think that's very interesting. I'm kind of excited about it and I'm happy and I'm happy Trump. It is, the thing is, Trump isn't doing it because of politics. He just does it because it's right. He moved the, he moved the embassy to Jerusalem because it was right. He's canceling the money to Planned Parenthood because of right and not one, all these Republicans, senators, Congress folks, Ted Cruz's of the world, George Bush's of the world, all these super conservatives never did a thing to try to save babies. They just keep funding the death, killing of them. And old philander, molester Trump, you know, liar, cheat Trump comes in and saves and cuts off money for abortion. First president to speak to all the people at the uh, demonstration every January. First president. Isn't that odd that all these Republicans, yeah, we're pro-life. We're pro-life. We're pro-life. We're going to get Planned Parenthood. And they never did a thing about it. Never went and spoke. Nothing. Out of all these years, Trump is the one that speaks speaks about it. He's the one who stands up against China. He's the one that stands up against the United Nations. He's the one that stands up against the deep state. Who would have thought that the deep state was so powerful? You never even thought there was a deep state, did you? Because every candidate bowed down to them because they have power whether they're conservative or Republican. They bowed down to the deep state. They didn't dare touch them. I was so thrilled when I saw that Trump fired like 50 different people out of the National Security Council. Now he's cleaning house at the White House. The only thing that confused me about Trump is why he didn't fire all those corrupt people undermining his presidency. Why didn't corrupt uh, throw them out earlier, usher them out of the White House? They're anti-American people. Folks, if you just think this is just people with a different political persuasion and it's always been like this in America, you're just totally nuts. You're nuts. You're totally nuts. These people are going to undermine this president and any president that does not comply with the deep state. When Trump, when Trump said, uh, this is what he called the deep state or the swamp. He's trying to drain the swamp. That swamp is going to fight till, till the very end. The swamp. Finally, Trump is getting his way on sanctuary cities. The appeals court said that you can cut off funds to sanctuary cities. Significant amount of funds. Trump is getting his way on on the finally on the border. It isn't that uh, he just finally made more sense in his legal arguments. It's the law. These judges were activist judges that were working against the law of the land. Law that was made by the Congress. It's not an executive order. You know, executive orders are cool. They get things done quick, but the next guy that comes in, if he doesn't like that executive order, he just cancels it. So if you give the if you if if you take away the right to abortion with an executive order, the next person comes in and just says they give it back to abort. 
How about this? Did you ever wonder, like, how come all these people are on welfare? Did they, like, drink some poison water or something? There's all kinds of money being made out there if you're wanting to work. But if you pay people not to work, just more and more of them will take a they don't get a lot of money. But when you add it all together, they do. And basically, people just said, I, I just kind of like sitting around smoking dope. I tell kids I at Juvenile Hall, I ask them, uh, why do you even go to school if you're going to smoke weed before you go or drink alcohol? It's the most, I, I struggle with boredom in school anyway. But to get loaded and go to school, why don't you just get loaded and cut school? skip school don't even bother with school just go out there and get high all the time i don't understand it i don't understand it. but i i wouldn't attend the schools they have today they're just crap it's just it's just a fraud they are defrauding the students the schools of california defrauding them they're ripping the students off Trump's starting to ban welfare for immigrants. In other words, he's he's looking at these immigrants that want citizenship, and he's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you know that the state law, I didn't know this, but here's the problem. There's state, there's uh, not state law, but federal law. Here's the problem. When you have laws on the books, and the and law enforcement has been told by the executive branch to not enforce those laws it it casts society into chaos so what's happened is there's been there's been laws on the books since they finally made laws because eventually way back people if they could get to the shores of this country as long as they could clear them physically health-wise they could give it a go here and they gave him a chance to produce and you know establish their own livelihood if there was no government charity if you want to call it that or government welfare no handouts if their families couldn't help them a little bit and they couldn't help themselves enough quick enough many of them went back to europe if that was their origin and then somehow along the way, we begin guaranteeing all this free stuff for them. Now, that makes sense to me only when you look at it from Democrats wanted to dominate the electoral process. And when you promise all this stuff and you deliver it to them, now it's, it's actually against the law, which I, I was shocked when I read this. It's against the law for immigrants to collect welfare and get all these benefits. So it says here, on Monday, Trump administration started implementing the federal regulation geared towards stopping likely welfare-dependent legal immigration from permanently resettling in the United States. U.S. Supreme Court gave the green light for the regulation. The Trump administration has now begun applying what is known as the public charge rule. People coming here, here were warned, you cannot become a public charge. Or in other words, charge it to the public. Oh, yeah, 
I, I, I need a hundred dollars worth of groceries. Just charge it to the white dude over there or the black dude or the Chinese dude. Right. Public charge was a rule whereby legal immigrants are less likely to secure a permanent residency in the United States if they have used any forms of welfare in the past, including any cash benefits for income maintenance, supplemental security income, temporary assistance to needy families or TANF, supplemental nutrition assistance program or food stamps called SNAP, Medicaid and certain tax-funded housing programs. That would be called Section 8 housing. The rule will now apply nationwide and, as as uh, others previously noted, will favor younger, self-sufficient, healthy, and English-speaking legal em- immigrants over those who have used at least one form of public welfare for more than 12 months over the last... In other words... They're going back and they're going to say, oh, you wanted citizenship? Don't even dream about it, man. You've been milking us to death, and you don't even belong to this country. What are you doing signing up for the benefits of this country, people paying into those with their taxes, and you walk in there and get some money? And don't give me all this stuff that how much the uh, illegals are contributing in taxes. The fact is, the, the facts are, you can look them up for yourself, they don't nearly pay, they pay a pittance or a small percentage of what they're taking out of this country in terms of taxes. You know, this public charge rule, when last asked for their support of the public charge rule, 56% of Hispanic Americans said they supported favoring self-sufficient legal immigrants for green cards over welfare-dependent legal immigrants. Does that catch your attention? They'll take self-sufficient legal immigrants for green cards over welfare-dependent legal immigrants, as well as about 6 in 10 of all Americans that vote and 62% of all swing voters also agree with that statement. Acting uh, Homeland Security uh, Deputy Secretary Ken Cuccinelli said in a statement that the public charge rule is merely a continuation of long-standing law, and Cuccinelli has been a, actually at one time was an attorney general. He said this public charge rule has been around forever, and it's a continuation of long-standing law dating back to the 1800s. You think, oh, where did they get that? Well, it's been around longer than most of your people lived. Most recently, in 1996, a rule demanding legal immigrants be self-sufficient was codified into federal statute but has hardly ever been enforced, according to Cuccinelli. The rule enforces longstanding law re- uh, requiring aliens, illegals to, or aliens to be self-sufficient, reaffirming the American ideals of hard work, perseverance, and determination. It also offers clarity and expectations to aliens considering a life in the U.S. and will help protect our public benefits programs. Now, the one group that's still getting by on this is foreign nationals arriving in the U.S. as refugees seeking asylum. Victims of human t- trafficking, domestic violence victims, victim, violent victim, crime victims, 
uh, are not subject to the public charge rule. So interesting how this blesses politicians says the rule public charge rule is a boon for American taxpayers in the form of around 57.4 million tax cut. The amount taxpayers spend every year on paying for the welfare crime and school costs of the country's mass importation of 1.2 million new, mostly low skilled legal immigrants says right here, folks, we're paying for them. Oh, well, they go out and pay some taxes. No, they're not paying anything of what we're paying for them. In 2017, National Academy of Sciences noted that the state and local American taxpayers are billed about $1,600 each year per immigrant to stay for their welfare or to pay for their welfare and reveal that immigrant households consumed 33% more cash welfare than American citizen households. Well, this thing goes on and on and on in California. Now, I want you to think we have the worst homeless situation in the United States. In fact, I think it was a third or a half of all homeless people live here. And yet we just keep throwing money at it. It seems like they don't really want to solve it. They just want to let the entire country, the entire California's walls come down and let them on all through and then pick up the tab for them. In California, with the largest non-citizen population in the country at almost 11 million or nearly 30% of the state's total population, more than 7 in 10 or 72% of the non-citizen households are on at least one form of welfare. Compare that to the findings that not only about that now only about 7 in 20 or 33 35% of native born households in California are on welfare. That's still a lot, right? It's a third. It's a third of all Californians are on some sort of welfare. If they're on welfare now, God help us if if Trump when Trump leaves and you get some namby pamby and I even think of Mike Pence in that category. Mike Pence seems like a really nice guy to hang out with, have have a burger with, but honestly in terms of like have you heard him speak? The guy doesn't have anything measured up to Trump. So Trump is going after the welfare recipients uh, jerking and ripping off the country. The law is already on the books. They just weren't enforcing it. The other thing that probably one of the most wonderful things I think Trump has done is he went after uh, the VA. And remember all those, they kept switching directors over at the VA under Obama. But nobody could get at people because the law is protecting federal employees, union federal employees. But somehow, I don't know the details yet, but somehow the Trump administration has gone in and put a kibosh on all those things. And uh, they're changing it up. They're changing it up. I don't know whether there's been a ripoff going on in this country for decades. And there's been a ripoff with food stamps where people take their food stamps, say they get $300 in food stamps, and they'll give the food stamps to the, a store owner, and he'll give them $100 cash. 
So then he has, he made on that transaction, he gave, he got $300 worth of food stamps, but he only gave him $100 cash. So he essentially tripled his money, right? Because he's got $300 in food stamps that he can go out and pay for food stamps. Or some people may allow him to just give them the money. So just check this out. Now, you know all these little mini marts and stuff. In Ohio, two, now, now check this out. I've said this many times before, and I, I, would, I wouldn't mind go, moving to Mexico. Oh, I, I need to, like, take a break, and then we need to go and do another segment. I'll be right back, and then we'll pick this up about these Somali guys ripping off the government. Disagreements about religion had been the causes of war in Europe through most of the 16th and 17th centuries. The great trauma of European history was the religious carnage that led to newer and newer forms of torture and of slaughter, all in the name of God. Six of the 13 colonies were settled by religious refugees. The Puritans who settled Massachusetts did not tolerate other religions. Virginia, my state, had an official religion from 1619 until the Revolutionary War. Dissenters were not obliged to participate, but they did have to pay for it with their taxes. One of the great works of the French Enlightenment was Voltaire's Letters from the English Nation, talking about the superiority of the system in England over that of France. And he said, and the framers knew he had said it, if there were one religion in England, there would be tyranny. If there were two, they would cut each other's throats. But there are 30, so they live happily and in peace. If you would just read the First Amendment for me. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. One says that government may not uh, disfavor religion by interfering with its free exercise. The other says that government may not favor religion by establishing religion. Many people refer to that as the idea of separation of church and state. Nobody else had created a government in which there was freedom of religion separation of church and state. Once you establish the most important area of freedom of speech, religious freedom of speech, all other freedom of speech followed. In our not too distant past, when the acknowledgement of God and his authority over all things, including our civil government, was a value shared by Americans almost universally. This is undeniably reflected in the following observation by founding father Samuel Adams. The right to freedom is the gift of God Almighty. The rights of the colonists as Christians may be best understood by reading and carefully studying the institutes of the great lawgiver and head of the Christian church, which are to be found clearly written and promulgated in the New Testament. When Mr. Adams declares that rights are the gift of God, he implicitly acknowledges the existence and supremacy of God. 
Moreover, he is positively connecting our liberty with our shared Christian view of law and government. Sadly, while this view was once widely understood by Americans, today it is lost on many, if not most. This is largely due to our ignorance of American history and misunderstanding the meaning of separation of church and state. In the American view of law and government, we recognize that the law of nature and of nature's God is a fixed, unchanging standard. Also, jurisdiction, the authority to speak and enforce the law, is given to four separate governments. First, there's self-government, in which we, as individuals, are required to control ourselves, to conform our behavior to the strictures of God's commandments. Thou shalt not steal, or lie, or murder. The other three jurisdictions are institutional in nature. There's the family, ordained by God in the Garden of Eden, and charged with the health, education, welfare, and marriage of its members. Next, there's the church, whose head is Jesus Christ, and charged by Christ with the promulgation of his word the distribution of the sacraments, and charitable assistance to the less fortunate with health care, education, and welfare. Lastly, there is the civil government, which is charged by God with defending the borders and administering justice so that the Lord's people might live in peace and harmony. Overarching all these jurisdictions and their authority is God's jurisdiction, which, by nature of his status as creator, is all-encompassing and universal. So while there is, in fact, a separation between the duties of church and state, there is no separation of God and his law from civil government. Conversely, there is an absolute duty on the part of civil government to understand, promote, and enforce the natural law of the Creator. In the Declaration of Independence, our founders referred to God as the supreme judge of the universe because his jurisdiction supersedes every act of the civil government. So you see, there is absolutely nothing wrong with the state official acknowledging the word of God as authoritative and controlling in the civil affairs of men. Actually, quite the opposite is true. No state action or law is valid unless it conforms to God's law and his will. So if someone tries to tell you that God and his law don't have anything to do with civil government, then you can be sure that this person does not understand American history or American government. This is Jake McCauley and Dominic McCauley with the Institute on the Constitution, bringing you The American View. talking about these Somali guys. Now, I've been telling, I was talking to somebody, I, I have a lot of uh, friends that are Mexicans. They're people who immigrated from Mexico, legit. They're legit immigrants. And I've talked about how the Mexicans just don't obey the laws up here, a lot of them, illegals. Why, why wouldn't they? Because they, they don't belong here. They're not Americans. They're Mexicans. And so they don't give a crap if they run over somebody or get drunk. Or drive with a, uh, they know how to drive, but they don't need to fuss with getting a license or getting insurance. So, uh, so now we got all these refugees, Somali refugees. Well, you think they're Christian? You think they're not of any faith or you think they're Muslim? These are Muslims. Two Somali 
specialty market owners in Columbus, Ohio, are facing more than $10 million in food stamp fraud charges. $10 million. Have you, can you even imagine $10 million in food stamps? Hassan Nariso and Abdurrahim Nariso, former owners of Tofik Market on Sullivan Avenue, has been charged have been charged by federal grand jury with conspiring to fraudulently redeem more than ten million dollars in supplemental nutrition assistance program, and WIC, that's uh, for new mothers to feed them and their baby. So from 2010 to 2019, that's about that's about a million dollars a year, folks. U.S. Attorney David Bosley, he says it's it's clear in all the regulations what you can and cannot do with food stamps. You can't give food stamps for cash. You can't buy items that are not allowed under the food stamp program. You can't buy things that aren't food. And you can't give credit. Hmm. So they they stole about $8 million with the SNAP benefits and two, $2.1 million in WIC benefits between the 2010-2019. Pretty darn sad. Just everybody's ripping off the government. Hands and till. Local people don't think they're ripping them off. A government 2019 accountability office report found that at least one billion with a B in food stamp benefits have been trafficked each year in the US. In other words, they just got ripped off. One billion. Why we, what if we just stopped that? We would put billions of dollars back in our treasury and stop some of this interest that we're facing. So we know that this, the food stamp program doesn't work right. Totally corrupt. Totally mismanaged corrupt. Now we find out that the California lottery, do you remember back in the days when Pete Wilson was the governor and he was part of pushing this lottery thing to get more money for the government? But the, the, the carrot... And the stick issue, the sweet part that was going to catch everybody up was some of this money, a tiny percentage, was going to go to education, right? That's That was the thing. Anytime they want to sweeten the pot, they said, well, this is going to go for the education. Well, this this now another one would probably, well, this is going to go for sex trafficking, stop sex trafficking, because it's a fad right now to stop it. Said the California lottery skimped on giving $36 million in revenue to fund public education and spent $720,000 on food and travel expenses without considering cheaper options, the state auditor said. I'm getting to like the state auditor. She seems to be like a straight shooter. Sales from scratch and lotto tickets have funded public schools and colleges in California since 1985. But the lottery should have accounted for an increase in profits during the fiscal year that ended in 2018, right? Stock market's been going crazy. So they they skimmed on $36 million. Just corrupt. Just like the DMV's corrupt. Total, just like the 
California Public Utility Commission's corrupt. Lottery officials also spent, catch this. You know, I used to sit in some because I, I would ride along with uh, police and fire. One night I was sitting at fire department and they got to discussing. It was the end of the year, the end of the fiscal year for them. And they and the discussion went on after dinner about how they needed to get rid of the, the, a bunch of money. Because if they didn't get rid of it out of their budget, then next year they'd get their budget cut. And nobody wants their budget cut. Everybody wants every year to say, we just we just can't keep up with it. We just can't we just can't do this. We need we need more money. We just need more money. And since they it's a big pot, they can just go get more money. They do. So and then they government spend your money lavishly because it's not their money. It's always easier if somebody gives their money and says, Go out and buy me something or buy yourself something. And if it's on somebody else's dime, you spend more money. Managers have known that for years. Lottery officials spent $720,000 on 17 agreements with hotels at retail trade shows between 2014 and 18 without records to show that the agency considered compete competing offers for lower-cost hotels and food. In other words, they could have gone to cheaper hotels and food, but they spent $720,000, the lottery people. And they were whining to the school people saying, well, we just didn't make enough profit. Well, $720,000 comes off your profit. The auditor said several of those agreements with these colleges and stuff to come and stay on campus and have food there. Lottery officials spent $720,000 instead of getting competing offers and spending less money. Why should they? It's not their money. They don't care. They, it, if you just give a budget and it doesn't come out of their pocket, they're just going to spend it. Several of those agreements contained excessive costs for food and beverages. The audit also criticized the state controller's office tasked with overseeing the lottery. I'm having problems here all of a sudden. Here we go. Check this out. We got agencies fighting agencies. The audits criticized the state controller office tasked with overseeing the lottery for failing to track that spending. In April 2019, the state controller's office removed a finding from a report it conducted that questioned the lottery agency's expenses on hotel agreements following the criticism from criticizing uh, they got from the lottery attorney. So in other words, state controller's office has these findings. When I was on this Yuba County Office of Education board, we would hire a an attorney for a, a CPA firm. They'd come in each year, audit the books by law. They had to do that. 
And at the end of the audit, in the back of the book, they would call the findings. And the findings were the things they saw that you were doing wrong as a practice. And so by the time they audited the next year, we were supposed to correct the findings. If they didn't like the way we were handling petty cash or whatever they didn't like, it was to keep everybody honest, right? So now they give these findings, and the attorney for the lottery's got so much pop that he says, hey, I want you to remove that finding from this deal because it makes us look bad. So they did. They removed the finding. The state auditor also said the controller's office submitted a financial performance report about the lottery that the lottery's agency officially prepared without independent analysis of the documentation by the controller's office. The performance report, do you you ever file late taxes? And, oh, my God, it was like you broke the two tablets coming down from Mount Sinai. This performance report by the lottery was 36 months late, three years. They're supposed to report to the legislature. Three years late, some guys came to office, served for two years, and never served anymore. They totally didn't. They missed this 100%. The state auditor said the report said that the law about the state lottery requires the lottery to provide as much funding as possible for education after accounting for operation expenses and to increase funding every year based on the agency's profits. Here's what the lottery, this is what we call the swamp folks. The lottery has not used a budgeting process that is designed around meeting the lottery acts requirements. In other words, they're, they're not organized to keep track of the money in such a way to even manage giving to figure out what their profit is so they can increase the amount of money to schools. Even though that was the, that was the, the creation of the lottery was based upon blessing the schools. By the way, you know who buys the most lottery, all the lottery tickets? Mostly just broke people, poor people. They all had flunked math because if they knew how much the chances of a person winning the lottery is a lot higher than if they got eaten by a shark or struck by lightning. Hold that thought. The state auditor's findings demonstrate that we, what we all suspected all along, that the California lottery has a culture of profits first and schools last, said Republican State Senator Ling Ling Chang. Remember Ling Ling Chang? She's the one, the conservative down there around Fullerton, Southern California. She lost to old, uh, was it Newsom? Newton Newsom? Troy? He was a first-year senator. He voted. He was the key vote to kick us in the teeth on that road tax. People got so upset down there, they actually went out and voted for a change. And they, they even though Ling Ling lost the first time around, they did a recall, and they recalled that senator, that liberal nut, and they put Ling Ling Chang back in there. And here's old Ling Ling. She's dealing with this lottery thing. All right. 
Hey, I wanted to mention to you about a couple of our sponsors before we go any farther because we're in our fourth segment. For long, we're going to be out of segments. And uh, one of the groups that I'll mention to you is Dave Greenitz. I just heard a, I was coming out of our tip meeting tonight. We're training new tip volunteers, and I got a text from him because I just gave him some Vietnamese coffee and a coffee mug. And he loved my coffee mug. <clears throat> I designed it for tip. It is kind of cool looking. Like my friend Diane Metcalf helped me design it, but it's it's kind of artsy looking. I liked it, and it's easy. It's nice to drink out of. It's got a nice shape to it, nice handle. And so, uh, anyway, Dave gave me a shout out. He said, "I love this mug. I'm drinking drinking out of it every day." But I wanted to give him a shout-out because he supports this show. I couldn't be on the air if it wasn't for his help. He believes in what we're doing, and uh, he's got a great operation. <clears throat> and anytime I need anything fixed over here, he's Mr. Fix-It, although that's not what he got in the contracting business. What he likes to do is do really drop-dead beautiful kitchens and baths and decks and outdoor dining situations where you build these patios with cooktops and barbecues and all kinds of cool stuff. It's coming up summertime. And, and if, I don't know, did you see the latest, you know, they keep saying that utility rates in California are 60% higher, but there's a number of utility companies that serve California. If you just look at what Pacific gas and electric rates how they compare to the nation it's twice as high twice as high if you're if you're in northern california you're paying for pacific gas and electric if if you're not in the sacramento area and that is you're paying twice as much for the same amount of utilities gas and electric as the rest of the nation is that ridiculous or what so one of the things that dave greenitz does that doesn't make your house more beautiful but it becomes more cool in the summertime and it actually uh, saves tons of money because you're not having to run that big central air unit out outdoors they so what they call this a whole house fan whole house fan and you put it up in your attic and it sucks the hot air out of the attic blows it outside and it causes a, a pull on the air down below, and it pulls cool air in at night. Cools down the whole house up there in the attic and everything. Then, it, then it uh, so you don't have to turn your air on so long. Greenitzconstruction.com. Green with E T Z on the end. Green Etz, all one word. Greenitzconstruction.com, or you can go to Dave Greenitz Construction. That's his Facebook page. Or you could call him at 530-682-9602. 530-682-9602. I'm telling you, if you have never seen, you know, you, you know, you can look at these magazines and see pictures of really cool things. But the ones on Dave's uh, social media and website, they didn't come from these fancy magazines or from Pinterest or something. They're actually photos of jobs before and after that he did. That he did or they did, their group, Greenwich Construction. So give them a shout. You can email them off those sites. 
if you call over there and some guy answers the phone, you're going to be talking to the big kahuna right there. So I'm telling you, you don't want to take a chance when you're going to drop twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars on a remodel and swing and miss on that dude and have some person big old cocked cracks that all looking funky and everything. And I'm telling you, you get what you pay for. So uh that's that. And then, of course, Monty Hecker has been a huge encouragement and help to us. He's always not only giving us money, but pro- promoting us on uh, Facebook, encouraging people to give us a listen. Because the difference between radio and podcasts is we're kind of like on a podcast is like an address. You've got you to gotta know where we're, we're living to come and get us, whereas you can be driving around down the road and turn on the radio and happen to be on a particular channel that I was on. And you just, uh, you, you know, you got a surprise, you got this dude on there. And so you may or may not like me, but you can at least stumble into him. You can't stumble into somebody on a podcast because you, you, you got you to make a trip over there to that site. So Monty, Monty Hecker is a big promoter of, of this, uh, this show. And I like to promote him because he's got, he's got a lot of jobs available. All up and down Northern California from Lathrop North, that's below Sacramento North, all the way up into the Oregon border. You can get a job with him. And he'll, And if you think, well, I don't know anything about it, it's like when people say to me in tip, I want to be a tip volunteer, but I don't know anything about this. I said, you don't need to. I'll teach you everything you need to know. Just be a good person, quality person. Show up on time. Don't be giving me stupid excuses. So Monty Hecker, uh, he said that... Uh, He'll put you to work or he'll come to work for you. You pay him, he'll, he'll protect your property. You've got, you've got construction equipment out there or farming equipment or any kind of equipment that's set to stay out all night. You can't stash it anywhere. They'll come by and do, they'll watch over it. Same way when you start to harvest those almonds and walnuts and different products and you got to hold them for a while. Sometimes you're sitting on the back of a truck. Somebody will hook that whole trailer up and haul off a fifty, hundred thousand dollars worth or two hundred thousand dollars worth of almonds. I don't know if you've checked the price of walnuts or almonds lately, but it's spin day. So, uh, Monty, will, he'll monitor your store. A lot of I see people in in Marysville complaining on Facebook in the city of Marysville. Guys pooping up against their front door because the front doors are sunk back in under the overhang and uh, just messing their whole store, breaking the windows out of their store. Incredible what's going on downtown Marysville. So you can get some help from uh, Elite Universal Security, 749-0280. Now, unless you want to rebel and open carry and ignore all these rules, uh you need to go Monty Hecker out at Elite Universal Security will train you in class and out of class at the range how to shoot how to shoot that gun you got and and uh, if you unless you're going to going to rebel against the against the uh, concealed carry and just be open carry 5307490280 Monty will hook you up and teach you how to handle that weapon and safely and uh, get all the certificates to be able to go. Did you know that these concealed weapons permits cost a lot of money? Somebody told me they were 
they couldn't, uh, they were short on money and they couldn't re-up their concealed weapon. They told me how many hundreds of dollars it was. By the time you re-qualify and go over and pay the money, thought, baby, what? this is a big revenue stream. No wonder these cops don't want to stop concealed weapons permit. It's a big moneymaker. Incredible. We're going to take another break here, and then we're, uh, what are we in our fourth segment? I can't even remember where we are right now. Okay. We're going to take a break. Be right back. After September 11th, politicians said government must take over airline security. And get federal law enforcement to do this job. Tom Daschle said you can't professionalize if you don't federalize. And the Senate voted 100 to 0 to take over airport security screenings. Sir, do you have your ID? So is it now professional? Opt out! These people don't think so. Flyers complain that they are subjected to such disgusting abuses of power. TSA employees ordered the elderly woman remove her soiled adult diaper because it was preventing a thorough pat-down. This former Miss America said she felt molested. She actually felt, touched my vagina. But didn't the TSA keep us safe? There haven't been successful attacks since September 11th. You might say that shows it's working. Actually, every report shows that uh, TSA missed things. What actually saved us was the passengers and crew. Congressman Micah helped create the TSA. Now he chairs the Transportation Committee. If you look at the diaper bomber, it was the passengers and, and crew that saved the day. The Times Square bomber, he uh, called on his cell phone, ordered his ticket on the way to JFK, went through TSA, got on the plane. On top of that, the TSA is such a lousy place to work that more than 50% of the workforce has quit. And the agency keeps losing employees and hiring new ones. They're advertising on the top of pizza boxes. A career where x-ray vision and benefits are standard. Turnover's high, not because the TSA is underfunded. It spends 10 times what the previous private screening companies spent. Micah says he was shocked at how much money they can waste. John, you don't want to know. I just sent two guys down. They've got a warehouse in Texas. They bought hundreds of puffers that didn't work. Remember these? They cost $150,000 each and were supposed to detect explosives. But they didn't work. They sat in warehouses and they paid, I think, $600 a piece for DOD to destroy them. So the TSA wastes money, misses terrorists, infuriates passengers, and creates long lines. Isn't there a better way? Oh, here's one. The lines are shorter at San Francisco Airport. They move quickly. And passengers even say the screeners are nice. People here are friendly and willing to help. I think they're a little more understanding. Everybody here is friendly, a lot more friendly than Dallas. Dallas and all the other big airports employ government screeners. San Francisco is the one major airport that was allowed to hire screeners who work for a private company. Not only are these screeners nicer, they're better at finding stuff. The TSA tested them and found they were twice as good at finding contraband. Why would private screeners be nicer 
and better. Yeah. Here's a reason. They practice. Here they're racing to match these security cards together under blacklight. The fastest screener will win $2,000. There's even dramatic music. The TSA trains its screeners too, but not like this. In this competition, screeners race to search bags and identify forbidden items. Here's a pipe bomb. Then they rush to repack the bag. All right. All right. In this test, they look at slides of people and try to remember details. How many buttons are on her sleeve? Russia? Four. Yes. The private company makes these screeners specialists. Behavior detection officer. They have to be able to look at something, look at a lot of people, and, and uh, be able to retain what they saw. So this is the things you find out, who's very good at that stuff. We're really competitive. Screeners love the contests. Mm -hmm. So usually it's, did you go? Yes. What's your score? I'm not telling you. If you tell a person your score, they're going to try to beat you. Mm -hmm. And you just want to be the winner. It's uh, kind of like bragging rights. And I suppose they get better with these contests? Oh, yes. They have to. If you don't have the passion for it, right, then I guess you need to find another job. Who knew privatization would create better attitudes? It's privatized seems so selfish. I bet you're making money. That's money coming out of my pocket. I don't mind making a little profit. It's kind of the capitalistic way. It's the American way. Profit makes you try harder. Makes you work very hard. We have to do well. That also means getting passengers through security quickly. Wait times here are shorter because they move screeners around. We have moved in staff from Pier C over to Pier E checkpoint with two lanes up. If we show red there, we know we're short staffed somewhere. See, we start to back up here a little bit. We find out how many people we can send to help them. Okay, I think we're good. We'll sure. make those changes. The director of this airport wishes her screening company tried as hard to keep lines moving. We get a high number of visitors in the summer. Of course she does. Her airport's right next to Montana's Glacier National Park. People go to the park in summertime. Traffic triples. But the TSA doesn't respond to that. Screening levels remain constant year-round. Same number in the summer as in the winter. So because of that and the delays it creates and passenger complaints about rude screeners, Cindy wanted to switch to a private screening company. The law that created the TSA allows that, but airports have to ask for permission. Cindy and dozens of other airport managers asked, but the TSA simply didn't respond for a year and a half. Then they said no. What reason did they give you? They didn't give us a reason. We asked TSA officials to come on this show to explain their position, but they declined. Their spokesman also lied to us. When we asked for permission to film the competitions at San Francisco Airport, they told us the private company is camera shy and wants to stay out of the limelight. But it wasn't true. I don't know why they did that. I really don't. The only reason the TSA is given for rejecting other San Francisco-like experiments is there is no clear advantage to the federal government. I bet McDonald's would like to tell Burger King, you can't open here. There's no clear advantage to you coming here. <laughs> they would love that, I'm sure. TSA creator Congressman Micah says the bureaucrats are just protecting their turf. It's typical government. Gives them more power. Yeah, keep the power in Washington. So... What were you thinking? You did this. There's no question. It's grown into a monster, and they become a huge personnel uh, operation instead of a security operation.
Okay. So we got that out of the way, and uh, we'll do Plumbing Doctor a little bit later. Let me just give you a couple shorts today, short clips. Stupid stuff people are saying. Okay. Uh, Andrea Mitchell. Now, I'm trying to think who Andrea Mitchell is married to. I don't know whether you think she's pretty or not, but maybe when she was young, she's a pretty good-looking gal. But she is married to the former, I believe, the former head of the Federal Reserve, Greenspan. That's his name. I think she's married to Greenspan. She is... She's an incredible nutcase. She said, I've covered Cuba for years, and there's a lot of great things to say about their social services, their education, and their health services, health system. Andrea, why don't you go down there and get on that boat? Just ride that horse, right? Just do the funky donkey on that horse. Go down there and get it on with that horse. I've covered Cuba for years. We just had a team from Church of Glad Tidings return from Cuba. They are not down in Havana where they do the show stuff where it looks really nice down in Havana. They're out in rural Cuba. They say, Lou, there's no food down there. You can't buy any supplies. The the store shelves are empty. People wait in line to get allotments for food, rationed food. Bad down there, Lou. These people are lying. These are lying, liars, cheats, perverts, swindlers. That's their, you know, Jerry, old Jerry Libby calling my friend, my conservative friend, Foyt, Foyt uh, Sean Foyt, a swindler. Why didn't she call some of these Democrats swindlers, cheats, charlatans, and stuff? Why don't she work on them instead of shooting her own people? Shooting her own, you know, the detectives tell me when they go out on a homicide, they immediately are suspicious of the family because a lot of family members kill their own. That's what the Sutter County Central Committee does. Let's just let's slander him. I don't know where she got all her. I don't need, She does can't even write a. I don't know. She's illiterate. I think this Jerry Libby is. I don't. She can't even write a paragraph. It doesn't even make sense. It's proper. And, and if a kid wrote that in seventh grade, they would they would uh, give him an F. I wouldn't pass that. And if I was an English teacher in seventh grade, I'd kick the dude to the curb. Hillary Clinton, look what she says. This is this. These people are just. You know, these people just don't have a different perspective. They want to overthrow the government. How, how, how many times do they have to say this stuff and do this stuff? Says purging. She's talking about Clinton. Sorry. She's talking about Trump firing disloyal employees. Why? Somehow she thinks that if an employee from the bureaucracy is disloyal, they should be kept. I, I, the reason I haven't had, I've had very few employees over the years. <clears throat> I can't, I wouldn't keep an employee on for a second that was disloyal or uh, weird. <clears throat> she said, purging public servants disloyal to a regime is banana republic stuff. 
our federal employees work for the American people, not the president. That's that's a line of crock right there. The the federal employees do not work for me. Otherwise, I would fire them immediately. I would cut them in half. I'd cut the number in half. They don't work for the federal people. If they work for me, I can fire them. They don't work for the American people. You know who they work for? Themselves. It's called self-service. It's self-service. You just reach your hand in the till and take out. Has if You get your salary plus you get your hand in the till just raping the owner. Hillary Clinton, for goodness sake, she is the biggest liar, thief, criminal, sexual pervert. She's a nutcase. I like this. Katie Pavlich said this. I've seen Democrats be tougher on Trump for his coronavirus response than they've been on China, whose communist government censored and hid the outbreak in the beginning, leading to its unnecessary spread around the world. Isn't it true? Oh, you're you're chumming up to China. You're chumming up to Russia. But no, no, no. It's all just a ruse. They're just hitting Trump, hitting Trump, hitting Trump. She says, I've seen Democrats be tougher on Trump for his coronavirus response than they've been on China, who actually created the disaster and now is exporting it to the world. Crazy. Joe Biden said, you know, we have a place called Georgetown, Delaware, that was founded in the 1600s. Somebody fact-checked that. Georgetown, Delaware was founded in 1791. He was just off 150 years. This stuff is so easy. I mean, these people are just such lunatics. Did you see where old uh, Pete Gougerbutt, you know, Pete Gougerbutt, he's been stealing phrases from Obama's speeches and adding them into his speech. I just think he's probably feeling there's an anointing on those Obama speeches that got him elected. So he's going to, he is going to steal the phrases right from Obama. All right. I think that does that. Covered Iwo Jima. Man, I'm telling you, the sacrifice and suffering is just incredible. We got did Deontay. We got the welfare ban. I'm just kind of checking where we are. I've kind of got a late start organizationally here on this week because I got about 80 extra hours I got to put in for tip training, trauma intervention program training over these next two weeks, and this week's been kind of a cruncher. So I'm down here at the last minute trying to get this thing done so Tanner down there in Texas can get us all squared away tomorrow. So, uh, oh, I was telling you about these guys, these Somali boys. They can't just run a restaurant or run a store and make money like the rest of us. 
they got to go in and steal from the government, steal $10 million. These guys, they may go to prison. I don't know. Then the California lottery, they should have given 36. They shorted, according to this article, they shorted the, the, the schools. We... We just want to. We want to bless the schools. That's the only reason we want a lottery. We just want to. You know, we just schools don't have enough money. No, the, the they do have enough money. It just hasn't been given to them. They're incompetent. The schools, and so the even the liberals are having a tough time giving them more money. But is there money to give? We're loaded with money, totally loaded with money. Let me look at a couple things here. Oh, I, I saw a Facebook ad. If you, you know, we're down here in Yuba Sutter counties. But I saw, you know, it was odd because uh, tonight at the trauma intervention orientation, we had Chief Webb, Chief Richard Webb with the Linda Fire Department. He's retiring next month or so. But he came over and kicked off our training, telling the importance of TIP to the community and to the emergency response community. And so then I came home, turned on my computer because I got to do this podcast and I noticed on Facebook that the Linda Fire Department is advertising for people that want to become volunteer firefighters. And the cool thing about that is you do get paid when you're actually out on a call. You get paid for that. Uh, but it could work in if you wanted to do firefighting, you could work into a job because people are coming and going and firefighting. So if you are interested in being a Linda, and I like, you know, a lot of these uh, fire departments don't use reserves anymore. You know that? And, uh, but Linda really does. They, they use a lot of them. And so what I like about Linda, it's really got a fan, you know, there's not this turnover that you see in other fire departments in Linda. It's a real family atmosphere. There's a lot of good people there. I've met them and actually I performed marriage ceremonies for three of them. And, uh, but Linda fire is quality. They're good people. And if you want to be a reserve, uh, you got to dial them up at seven, four, three, one, five, five, three. That's five, three, Oh, area code seven, four, three, one, five, five, three. Or you can email them and just say that the email address is contact C O N T A C T contact at Linda Fire, all one word, dot org. Contact at Linda Fire, one word, dot org. And uh, go be a uh, go be an on-call uh, reserve firefighter. Uh, I think it'll be a cool thing. Recommend it highly. Um, now, here's something really crazy. Now, my friend Frank told me, don't drink. While I'm on the air, I should have a mute button, but I, I don't think I have a mute button. So I'm having a drink of uh, green tea, cold green tea is my favorite. And they tell me it's just keeping me looking like I'm 21 and buff. But I can't see it myself yet. I'm just kind of holding on to it in faith. Did you see... Gavin Newsom, I think if I if I had a television on all the time, I would probably cut my wrist because that guy, I thought I was getting, when I survived Obama, I thought I had post-traumatic stress disorder. And I thought, well, thank God he's gone, and hopefully he doesn't get on the air too much. But 
now we got Newsom in California. And the other day, I, I just don't know what he's thinking. He, you know, when he did this, I didn't watch his state of the state thing, but I saw a couple clips. And in the one clip, one of his big accomplishments, I mean, this guy said this with a straight face. One of his big accomplishments was exempting feminine hygiene items like tampons from sales tax. And exempting Bible—I uh, was going to say Bibles. We should exempt them. Exempting uh, diapers from sales tax, as if he—that's somehow saving the world. We're delivering the world by giving exemptions of taxes for tampons and diapers. That is a big accomplishment in California nowadays in government by giving them a break. And so my question is, well, how about giving a break on condom on on condoms and all the sex stuff, dildos and stuff like that. All, all the different implements and toys and stuff, vibrators. Why, why stop at just a couple things? Maybe you ought to do women's bras too, or maybe G strings. Isn't it interesting that the government takes all this money through egregious taxes and then when they give it back or they say, well, we're not going to tax those two things. We gotta, we're going to tax those 5,000 things. But if those two things, why do you think they're fussing around? Do you, what do you think the Democrats are doing that? They're doing that to get the women's vote that are Right, Republican and Democrat. They're, they're going after the women's vote. That's the only reason they're doing that. They don't think you should deserve those taxes. They think they actually own the money. That's their money. That's not our money. That's their money. Well, how about this? A uh, federal appellate court. On, remember all these appellate court defeats the Trump administration was getting at first? And I used, I was thinking, you know something? I, are those judges nuts? They are like going against the law of the land. They are interpreting. They're saying we don't agree with the law of the land. Even though it's the law of the land, it's not like they're interpreting something. They're saying, oh, yeah, I don't agree with the law, so I'm just going to create my own law. Said a federal appellate court on Wednesday ruled that President Trump's administration, in fact, can withhold, can withhold, Federal funds from sanctuary jurisdictions that insist on shielding criminal, illegal aliens from arrest and deportation. Did you see where the new district attorney of San Francisco threatening to arrest ICE employees that are in town to arrest illegal aliens, regardless of the sanctuary city? So now he's going to threaten federal government employees with arrest. This is Chesa. Bed, Bedouin, Bedouin, that's what I call him, Chesa Bedouin. That's how his head goes. He's Bedouin. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit ruled that Trump administration has the authority to withhold federal grant money from sanctuary jurisdiction due to their failure to meet federal requirements that include abiding by federal immigration law. 
drop the mic. And then you have Chessa. How would you like it? Is Chessa a girl's name? It just sounds as sissy as they come. I would change my name. I have a friend of mine the other day who didn't like his name. His name was Alfred. And he decided to go change his name. So now he's Benjamin. So just call me Benjamin. I said, what do you mean? Just You just make up names out of the blue? He said, no, I, 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 I did a legit. I changed my name. So I'm now Benjamin. If you wouldn't mind, just call me by that. I said, I don't mind. What, what do you want to do? You want to go Chessa? Maybe I'll let your hair grow. Shave your legs. Cir- the Second Circuit Appellate Court wrote, wrote in the introduction, the principal legal question presented in this appeal is whether the federal government may deny grants of money to state and local governments that would be eligible for such awards but for their refusal to comply with three immigration-related conditions imposed by the Attorney General of the United States of America. Well, just thought I would just throw that in there. The sooner, the better for me. I'm just sick of it. So Trump comes in, you know, to Bakersfield, after all this hullabaloo, and I thought, I didn't have any idea that the, the President of the United States could sign some orders and move the water around. I thought, you know, every time Trump does something like this, I think, well, why didn't the other Republican presidents do that? Since we've been needing it all these years, they never got rid of the NEA, National Endowment for the Arts. All these endowment for the arts groups that they just get thousands and thousands of dollars from the government. I think, hey, if if you want to start an art studio or art gallery, put some money up, start it yourself, and run it as a business. Why should the taxpayer have to fund somebody's art center, forcing me to love their art or forcing me to support their art? Well, Lou, you don't even support theater or arts or anything. No, I don't. You start your own theater. You start your own art gallery. And if you want to, if you want to get somebody I know that wants to do a display in there, and you charge them or you charge entry, happy, happy, uh, happy Hanukkah to you. But to go mooch. And hustle of the deep pockets of pockets of government is a ripoff. It's just a total ripoff. So we're getting ready to take a, a break here, and then we're going to do our sixth segment. All right, we're going to play. Did you know? I didn't know this. I I'm just behind a lot. That Idaho, a bunch of counties in Idaho, are going to succeed secede from not from the, the United States of America. They want to separate off from Idaho. So up there in the corner with Oregon, and they're thinking maybe they'll pick up a California county or two. They want to start a second state up there. And um, so they're just going for it step by step by step. And uh, you can you can check. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this in just a second here. Right now we're gonna play it. It's called Greater Idaho. 
Oregon's secession and the Civil War. Okay, we'll be right back. As always, thanks for stopping by. Today we head to the Northwest. Folks in Oregon are fed up and they're trying to do something about it. I'm going to walk you through what's going on and then, you guessed it, I'm going to have a question of the day for all y'all at the end. Hey, at any point, if you feel that I've earned it, do you mind giving me a thumbs up? I got a bunch of poot tooties in the last week giving me a hard time for being an American. So that thumbs up is appreciated. So in a lot of places, kind of sort of everywhere, progressives and liberals and socialists and communists and gun grabbers and steppers and leftists, they just can't be happy. They got to push and push and do their best to ruin a great country. Well, some residents in Oregon, they said enough is enough and shazam, they have created a petition for their counties to join, yep, Idaho, leaving their state and joining Idaho. Yep, we're talking about changing map lines. The petition has passed through the early process and is now circulating in two counties, Josephine County and Douglas County. And the goal is to get enough signatures to be on the ballot for this coming November. So what's got these folks all fired up? Well, it's not too different from what's going on in many places here in these United States. The people with the microphones are ruining stuff. They don't care about rural people and they want to tear down traditional values. And the rub comes when the few densely populated cities in a state, they can outvote the rest of the population. And you end up with nonsense laws that affect an entire state and mess up people's lives and damage the economy. So in Oregon, there's a lot going on that has residents frustrated. I'll put a link right down below to the press release from the folks that are pushing to leave Oregon. One of the chief petitioners, Mike McCarter, he said, Rural counties have become increasingly outraged by the laws coming out of the Oregon legislature that threaten our livelihoods, our industries, our wallet, our gun rights, and our values. We tried voting those legislators out, but rural Oregon is outnumbered and our voices are now being ignored. This is our last resort. Again, there's a lot going on in Oregon. One bill that got smacked down last year, but it's back in the current session again this year, is Bill LC38. Yeah, it's bad. It's all about having to have your guns locked up literally at all times unless you're physically holding the gun. And if your gun is stolen, you are held liable for all crimes committed with that gun for the next two years. There's more to it. If you want to read LC38, I'll put a link right down below. Now, the Oregon Secession Movement, it's part of a larger campaign to create a new state called Greater Idaho. It would encompass Idaho and parts of Oregon as well as a bunch of Northern California. And it wouldn't just give freedom back to the rural folks. This move of rearranging would also rearrange some of the power in the United States Senate and the U.S. Congress. Yep, 
it would literally have national implications. And yeah, you guessed it. If you want to read more about Greater Idaho, there's a link right down below. And I'm not going to go into all of this today, but the Oregon situation, it's not unlike what's going, been going on in Virginia. Things got to the point this winter where the West Virginia governor said if he, that he, if, if anybody wants to leave Virginia, he would welcome them to join West Virginia. These are crazy times, y'all. My question is, what in the wide, wide world of sports is going on where people are having to talk about leaving their nonsense blue state to try and find some freedom in other states? Are the leftists so aggressive that people need to literally leave their state? Well, it sure looks like it's time to at least have a conversation about all that. Our very way of life is being challenged. Now, I did a piece earlier this week that I'm really proud of. And I really do thank you guys and gals for all the positive feedback. It was encouraging to me. Now, what I talked about was our very way of life. Some of our core beliefs being marginalized by the left as well as the ongoing trashing of our Constitution. Now, if you missed it, it's not very long. I'll put a link to that video right up here. Now, I don't take lightly what I'm about to say. There's a lot of folks that are talking about a literal civil war over a lot of different issues. Political commentator Tommy Lahren, she's been outspoken in recent weeks, and Lahren says that the fundamental issue with the coming civil war is going to be gun rights. Speaking about Governor Blackface's gun control agenda, Lahren said, quote, you start a confiscation or mandatory buyback and you'll have a civil war in this country. Close quote. Let me say something for the record, and I don't say this part lightly either. They. And who is this they, the great they? Well, it could be socialists or the Democrats or anybody that falls into the they category. They will not take our guns. Unequivocally, they will not take our guns from us ever. You can take that one to the bank. It ain't gonna happen. Write it down. Ain't gonna happen. Now, the left loves to laugh at us deplorables clinging to our guns and our Bibles. They love to laugh at some bubba saying, well, you can pry it from my cold, dead hands. Well, again, for the record... You can pry it from my cold, dead hands. If you ever change your mind about leaving me, leaving me behind, well, bring it to me. Bring your sweet love bring it on home to me. segment and I, want to, I don't want to let this go by without pushing my my friend's plumbing doctor business they serve you've been Sutter counties up here in northern California up in the state of Jefferson area and uh, if you want to use them I had them over here this last week they had to put a new faucet on my kitchen sink and one of my toilets was wobbling back and forth they got that solid as can be and then I had a little leak going into my hot water heater. Just all of a sudden, things just got tired, wearing out. 
I tell somebody the other day, I just, I'm replacing parts in my house and car, and then I got to work on my body, put parts in it. So if you want good plumbing service, call Plumbing Doctors, 530-671-9111. They'll come over there night or day and fix your problem. In fact, they got a husband and wife team. I think it's the only husband and wife plumbing team in the whole United States of America. So uh, I want to cover some of this. See what I want to talk about. Have you seen the amazing photos of Yuba College of buildings that have been allowed to fall apart? Buildings that were built, I'm, I'm living in a house that's older than Yuba College. My house does, is not falling apart because only one reason, because I've been repairing it and painting it and putting a new roof on it and replacing plumbing parts <clears throat> and sanding the new the old wood floors and re-varnishing them and doing all those things. Maintenance, right? And the reason... I'm able to finance that is because I'm not paying for for buildings in other counties. Now they passed this, we passed this law, and you know, I believe, I just miss a lot. But I believe in the, I guess, I guess I've learned it to be the Air Force motto, in God we trust, in all others we monitor. And we just haven't been monitoring Yuba College. And they passed, we passed those bonds back in 2006. And the economy crashed. So then the, the, the Yuba College couldn't make the kind of bond uh, purchase or floating. They couldn't get enough money for their bonds. And I don't have time to go into all the details, but that's just what happened. But they were so desperate to start this Sutter County project and this U, U, uh, Woodland project. Did you know that Woodland College down there isn't Yuba College? They call themselves a whole different college, Woodland Community College. And if you look at the pictures of that college, it's everything you would want for Yuba College. But they're doing it in Woodland, and they're allowing Yuba College to fall apart. There's, there's buildings that actually I used to take accounting in Building 500, and, and they mothballed it. They're just letting it fall apart. And eventually they're going to argue, we're going to just need to shove it over. Now, there's buildings at some eastern universities that are 100 years old or are older. Yale, Princeton, Harvard. Those are old universities. And so Yuba College, just, there's mold, black mold all over them, leaking. Broken, broken windows, all fouled up. You can look at some of the pictures on Facebook. What's happened is what people, you know, in this measure see where they want more money, even though they haven't spent the other money first. They've been spending all the money outside of Yuba County, but then all the Yuba County is one of the bigger voting blocks for these bonds. And we're paying for it in Yuba County, but like I don't even have any kids in the system. My kids are done, but I got to pay for these bonds and they're spending the money in Wheatland. I mean, sorry, in Woodland and in, and in Sutter County. And it's the interest. The interesting thing to me is these people spend their money 
They would never spend their money like they're spending this money. They are repaying, or they were repaying, until they refinanced these bonds. They were repaying for... I, I want you to think of something. <clears throat> if I gave you a dollar, you were short a dollar, and I said, pay me back next week, but you got to pay me 12 times for $1. That means if you borrow a dollar today, and then two weeks from now, you got to pay me back $12. That's what they did. For a hunt, for a million dollars, they got to pay back $12 million. Does that make any sense to you? Does that make any sense to you at all? To me, that's criminal. We put Charles Ponzi and Bernie Madoff in prison. Madoff's still in prison. We put Michael Milken in prison. These are these are investment fraud guys. To agree to take the citizens' money and wastefully give it out twelve times for every dollar they borrowed. That's crazy. It's just crazy. And they and they get insulted if you question them. They get all worked up. I I'm I made a uh, this uh this county council is a big mouth over here at Yuba County. And I wrote about him when they were considering in Yuba County hiring him right in the middle of the major K fiasco when Courtney Averill who was the county council was making a couple hundred, nearly a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. After she just spent 18 months there, I bet she never made any, any kind of money like that in her life. And just after 18 months, she decided to quit because of personal reasons, but she was the one that was involved, I think in the drafting of that faulty major K that was blowing up in their face. So they, the county council looked around and, I guess this uh, Sakatsi, Michael Sakatsky from El Dorado County, decided to throw throw his uh, name out there that he'd be willing to come down here and work. And so I wrote an article saying that why would you hire a guy that buried El Dorado County in in looks like thirty five million dollars in debt now? Because he advised them to ignore state law, which says that if you take mitigation fees from people, every five years you have to justify the use of those med- mitigation fees, that you're just not using them for willy-nilly. But they're, they're going to build that fire station or that park or that wetland or, 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 or sewage system. And he says, oh, forget about having to do those studies and justify a nexus with the med- mitigation fees for what they said they're going to use them for. Well, the third appellate court just ruled here in, I think, in November, I think it was November 2019, that Eldorado County, in spite of Sakotsky's advice, is going to have to pay the principal and interest back to the people that paid those mitigation fees. And it's going to amount to about $35 million of principal and interest that they're going to have to pay back to these 
these people, if they said, we, if you're going to buy that house, you need to pay these mitigation fees. So finally, they said after years of doing that and they didn't do any development, they said, we want our money back. But in government, once they take your money, they said, no, that's not your money. It's our money. And they didn't want to take them back. Finally, the third, the third appellate court says, give them their money back. They had all kinds of other people, sharp people, Joe Harn, the auditor controller, telling uh, the supervisors and Michael Sakotsky and his county administrator, Terry Daly, who then got hired when she left up there under pressure. She got hired from the water agency over here. And she's making over $200,000 a year. And she went along with not doing they just didn't do their job. They're too damn lazy. They would not do their job. Joe Harn, who's the auditor controller, said, I don't know why you just wouldn't obey the state law. It's a state law. You have to obey it. They said, oh, we don't need to obey it, and we don't have to pay the money back. Well, now both of them are down here in Yuba County, and they're they're developing a reputation for being mavericks to get the county in a lot of trouble. So that's, uh, you have an opportunity next week, March 3rd, to vote against Measure C, which is that college bond. That thing is a total ripoff, particularly for Yuba County people, because they have this pristine campus that Yuba College never has looked at. I went I went to, to that college in, in the late 60s, and it didn't look horrible, but it it definitely did not look attractive. There was nothing about the college look that would have attracted me to the college. I just went there literally for convenience. But you go to these other colleges, whether it's Sierra College, Butte College, any of these other JCs, they're they're attractive. I bet there hasn't been a significant tree planting out there for 50 years. How much does it cost to put in groves of trees to make it beautiful and shade and everything, particularly in our ter- terrible heat here in the valley? But they, they haven't done anything to improve that campus aesthetically. It seems to me they just want to shove it over or something. I don't understand. They built a new nursing building and the police and fire building, and then they built a new track, and they built soccer and football field, and they seem like the gym's been upkept, but... The classes, it just seems like they don't want to hold any classes out there. It's terrible. I would vote against Measure C, and I would keep voting against it. These, I don't want to be, I don't want my money going to Woodland or to Williams or Calusa. Forget those people. Have them put up their own colleges. It's crazy. So I'd vote against Measure C. Now, this Sakotsky that I was talking about, this Eldorado County guy, that came down here to be the county council. John Missler in the Territorial Dispatch simply wrote a couple paragraphs in the last paper, <clears throat> last Territorial Dispatch, saying that on the uh, the fight over Measure K, and that's going to the appeal court, there was a deadline <clears throat> 
to file your brief on why Judge Stephen Barrier's record or his uh, ruling was faulty. And so they had a hundred and by the time it was July 19th, sorry, February 19th, uh, it, 169 days had passed. So John Missler at the Territorial just happened to comment because he was aware of it. He's been following it. He was one of the guys, Charlie Matthews, who's running for Yuba Water Agency. And uh, John Missler, who was the owner of the, owner of the Territorial Dispatch, are the ones that went with the Howard Jarvis uh, Tax Association to <clears throat> contend in court that the Measure K 1% sales tax increase was faulty. And they won at the lower level at Stephen Barrier's Superior Court room. But the county appealed, and so then they turned around, and they didn't file their brief on time. So every day that goes by costs the taxpayers $10,000 of their personal cash removed from their bank account because of the higher sales tax. So this Sakachi says, we're not smart enough as local citizens to understand the goings on at the appellate court and they just get an automatic 15 day extension. Well, that's good for him to say, but for, for us in the citizenry, that's 150,000 more dollars out of our pockets. It's a ripoff. And, and I believe the what the reason they did that was pretty simple. They didn't want the contents of that brief to be getting out in the public so people could see what it was costing. And they could see the manipulation and the lies and the fraud and the baloney that they're dishing out, and it would become harmful to the campaign of three supervisors and Robert Bendorf's wife who's running for judge because they're corrupt. And they manipulated this thing. It was a it was a tax scam. It was a Bernie Madoff, Charles Ponzi tax scam from the very beginning. They knew that if they prevailed, they win, and if they lost, they win. Because in the court, as long as they drag it out, every day is ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, ten thousand that will never be refunded, even if the if the if the sales tax ordinance is proven again to be invalidated, wrong, illegal, they already proved it once, unconstitutional. That's an unconstitutional tax that they're collecting every single day. You'd think that they'd be, in <clears throat> be able to stop that, but they didn't. They ripped us off. They got their way. So even if they lose, they win. Even if they lose, they win. So we don't get to vote on that this time, Measure K. It's going, we're just waiting for the appellate court to rule. Waiting for the appellate court to rule. But Measure C, C you can vote against, and there's several measures in the uh, Yuba-Sutter area that are all school tax measures. I would not vote ever for a tax measure for schools. I, I wouldn't do it to go out and sell bonds or whatever. They're going to, those, 
Those taxes are not against the general fund. The repayment of those bonds is not against the general fund. It is against your property tax bill. And eventually that's going to have an impact on whether people are going to want to buy your house or go into the next county and buy that don't have those same bonds because they're on there for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's a total ripoff, big time ripoff, big time ripoff. I mentioned last week uh, in the appeal appeal Democrat, uh, the territorial dispatch, I wrote an article about uh, floods and politics. You know, nobody wants to hear about what really happened. They just want to gloss it over and and say, yeah, back in the day, that's what they did. They blew it. So I had, uh, I saw that the uh, Yuba Water Agency gave a grant to the Office of Emergency Services for Yuba County of $65,000 to make up a bunch of maps to show if the levee broke, where the water would run how deep it would be, et cetera. So and their logic was that if we knew all that better, in fact, they called me after they read my article. They said, hey, we'd like to explain this to you more so you'd be more supportive. And I said, yeah, I'll get together with you. I got two weeks of tip training. Then I'll come over there and we'll talk. But I really didn't write the article about the grant. I just mentioned the grant is that's money being spent. The, the concept was that if we spend the money, we could provide better public safety for our citizens. We can get them out of town faster. We can do a lot of things better. I hope it works out. I'm not against it. I think anything that helps protect and save lives is a wonderful thing. But like I told the, uh, the public relations person over there, I said to her, I just said, I am, I was, it was by email. I said, I am into, um, Spending a little and getting a lot rather than spend a lot and getting a little. And I said, over the years, I've seen just one boondoggle after another. Literally, 1997, the flood, the supervisors should have been held criminally negligent for killing people in that flood because they waited till the levee broke to evacuate people. And all the other jurisdictions had already given evacuation notice that had moved the people except for the county. They got so screwed up in their head and ignored the admonition from Gary Tyndall, the sheriff, to get people out of there. And so the sheriff got blamed for all the flack, thousands and thousands of herd cattle and horses and sheep and goats all drowned because of the stupidness of the city, of the supervisors. And they just walk away. No. So I would just... If you want to read it, you can read it called Floods and Politics and the Political Stupidness. I, I brought up about the, the spillway. The spillway would have literally broken in Oroville without anybody even evacuating downstream if it wasn't for Sheriff Corey Honey, Honey who overheard some of the damn uh, experts up there peeing their pants at the base of the dam how bad it was, and yet they weren't de- they weren't declaring anything a state of emergency, and they weren't declaring to tell people get out of town. It's crazy, you know the incompetence under fire in the last uh, 
on the spillway deal, we had Yuba City and Sutter County give exact opposite declarations regarding the evacuation. One said don't, and the other said do it. And Yuba City is a county seat of Sutter County. If that isn't a stupid thing. And then there was no way, and the article covers it, and it's these recent floods and threats of floods, there was no way to communicate with all the people, which can be still be done with AM radio of all, of all things. But they won't do it. They just will not do it, and they think they're going to do all this other stuff. And the fact is, my point is, if, if I'm all for being proved wrong in, in anything where I, I miss the point on on stuff. But... The fact is, there are just so many ways out of town. And the key is, is to get people out as soon as you think it's dangerous. Just tell them to move. It's just like, hey, they're going to die. Then we got to go, you know, pull their body out of buildings and funky stuff. Just a big pain in the rear. A flood is no small thing. I've, I've been through three of them. So uh, I think that's it. We're done with six segments today the 48th episode and so we'll catch you next week and if you run into somebody this week that's cool or not cool but the main thing is if you don't know them then uh, make sure if if you consider them a stranger to treat them nice because the bible says you may be entertaining an angel and not know about it so we'll catch you next week we're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight we would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody. Sugar